Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, Tyler Crawley. And as always, we are now on every major podcasting platform. So go there, find us, listen, leave us a nice review. It's really all that we ask for. Now, we have a lot of data that came out on Tuesday. A very busy Tuesday, I will say. Some of it directly related to real estate, but others, well, for the big part, the big debate yesterday was about the overall economy, which, of course, impacts real estate in directly or maybe directly i don't know i'm starting to think that maybe housing might be the new inflation hedge everyone's wondering what it is because i don't think it's gold anymore and people oh maybe it's bitcoin and then bitcoin dropped and so it's not bitcoin but maybe it's housing <laughs> if you think about it housing's going up in price as other uh products are and so maybe housing is the new hey, even lumber is falling and so lumber everyone thought maybe that was the new inflation hedge but uh no maybe housing is and we're going to talk about lumber in a second and we're going to talk about what's happening with home builders but like i said inflation was the topic of conversation yesterday mostly because we got our monthly data from the bureau of labor statistics the producer price index which, like we have seen so often these last couple of months, the numbers beat what the expectations were going to be. Now, normally when you beat the street, quote unquote, that's a great thing. But when you're talking about inflation, not so great because everyone starts freaking out about, oh, is this it? Is this the inflation that we've been worried about? Is it finally coming to fruition? People have been talking about inflation with these government policies for so long. Is it finally happening? Well, the numbers that we got month over month were a 0.8% increase uh, in the month of May. Now, the real number that everyone was talking about was the annualized rate. On an annual rate, the producer price index was up 6.6%. Now, this is kind of a big deal because this was the largest increase they have ever seen since they started tracking data. Now, they've only been tracking data since November 2010. So we're not even 11 years into this, but this is still a pretty big jump. No doubt about that. And so that's why everyone was discussing inflation. I'll tell you, there was actually a pretty fascinating debate on CNBC between Rick Santelli and Scott Wapner. And Santelli was going on and on when these numbers came out talking about here it is. Here's the inflation. That's what everyone's talking about. Kramer was somewhat, I don't even know how you, he wasn't arguing one way or the other. His argument mostly was the market is not reflecting concern about inflation, despite the fact that some big named traders are. For example, uh, CNBC talked to Bank of America CEO Brian Moynihan, hedge fund billionaire Paul Tudor Jones are all arguing that they think inflation is here to stay, which is, of course, the exact opposite of what we've heard from the Fed, who did meet. We haven't heard anything from the meeting, but it doesn't appear as if anything is going to really be done. But there are people ringing the alarm bells, and that's why you're seeing this big debate. And Santelli was sort of saying, here it is, here it is. And I'm guessing this was more political because Wapner, I think, is leans to the left. Santelli leans to the right. Wapner's arguing, I bet you said this in 2008 and inflation never happened. Why weren't you ringing the alarm bell when Trump was in office and there was all this spending? And 
it was interesting to say the least. And we don't have our answer. We're not going to have our answer for a while because of this base effect that's currently in play. And last year being so weird, we're not really going to know what is happening with inflation. Is it real? How is it long lasting? We're just not going to have that answer. Now, with regards to individual products, uh, yeah, pretty much everything was up. Not, not everything. But the things that were up, they were up big. Uh, for example, not surprisingly, energy led the way. Gasoline was up 143% year over year, followed by grains were up 117%. Iron and steel scrap were up 76%. Automobiles up 73%. And RVs up 70%. And there were a lot more products, commodities, that were also up double digits. So not, I mean, and like I said, that's not surprising, especially when you're seeing 6.6% overall, the overall index is up that much. Yeah, you're going to see some big jumps here and there. Now, as I said, not everything was up. Beef and veal were actually down 24.4%. Now that's year over year, because I did see that beef and veal were actually up 10% month over month, unfortunately, but on an annualized rate down 24%, fuel and lubricants were down 22%, vegetables were down 13%, that's not bad, goes with the uh, beef and veal. Uh, apparel wholesaling was down 10%, and gaming receipts were down 6.2%, which to be honest with you, I have no idea what that is. I, I was gonna look it up and I forgot, so I don't know what gaming receipts are, but they're down 6.2%. As I mentioned, um, the Economists were projecting a lower number. They thought month to month they were going to be a 0.5% increase. So they beat the street, unfortunately, in this circumstance. And everyone's wondering how long inflation is going to be upon us. Is this just temporary or is this long lasting? Well, consumers, whatever it is, they have slowed their buying. Uh, the latest data from the Census Bureau shows that month over month, the advanced estimates of U.S. retail and food service sales dropped 1.3% in the month of May. Now, year over year, it was up because once again, the crazy, the craziness of what was going on last year, we saw a big jump from where we were at the same time in 2020, up 28.1%. Goods were not universally down, or I should say the sales were not universally down, but many of the products with the biggest price spikes have seen a drop off in spending. For example, building materials saw the biggest month over month decline, dropping 5.9%, followed by miscellaneous store retailers at 5%, motor vehicles were down 3%, and electronics and appliances we're down 3.3%. Now, not everything was down, as I mentioned. Uh, spending on clothes, for example, saw the biggest jump from April up 3% from the following month, followed by restaurant spending and personal care up 1.8%, department stores up one6 and grocery stores saw an increase of 1.2%. But... As we have been discussing, this was another swing and a miss for economists surveyed by the Wall Street Journal who expected that overall retail sales were going to decline 0.6%. And I mentioned CNBC earlier, kind of during that same segment, Jim Cramer was talking about them, uh, you know, economists once again 
missing the mark. I mean, this is almost becoming kind of a trend. And he was saying, you know, what data are they using? <laughs> because they need to change that up because it's clear that whatever metric they're using and whatever they're trying to figure it out, it's off and it's, it's causing problems. And so it, this is not a good sign when economists are missing something, especially with regards to important factors like retail spending and inflation data. So they got to they got to retool whatever their calculations are because they're missing the mark. Now, home builder confidence in June. I'd mentioned lumber before. And lumber futures for July delivery ended Tuesday up slightly from Monday. It's about $1000 right now, but that's still down 41% from the record that we saw in early May. So lumber prices, and this kind of all ties in to this debate about inflation. If you remember, I think we talked about this on kind of one of the first podcasts, is that somebody was arguing that real estate is what we should be looking to when it comes to inflation. Because since real estate was the first industry to come back during the pandemic, you saw a sharp drop off and then it came roaring back. And because of that, lumber prices shot through the roof. And there was this argument that people should look to lumber as being an indicator. Since it was the first one to shoot up, let's see what it does. If prices remain elevated, then we know maybe inflation is here to stay. Now, this isn't this isn't 100% science. I'm not saying like, oh, lumber is going to be the gold standard on this issue. And if it's up, then inflation is here to stay. And if it drops, that means that inflation is not going to be here to stay. This is just an indicator. And so I take it as a good sign that we're seeing lumber prices fall. I think it's a good sign. It doesn't mean that everyone is wrong about inflation and the Fed is 100% correct, but it is an indicator and it's something to look at. And like I said, it's a good sign. Nobody wants inflation. So if, if we're not gonna see inflation and this is the first sign of it, then I will be happy to report on that. Uh, and you also have to wonder if these dropping lumber prices are going to help home builder confidence because home builder confidence fell in the month of June. It has now reached a 10 month low, but that's not as bad as it sounds. Builder confidence in the market for newly built single family homes fell two points to 81 in June. Confidence is now down nine points from the all-time high of 90 that we saw in November of 2020. But let's remember that a reading above 80 is still a signal of strong demand in a housing market lacking inventory. So the fact that you know home builders really aren't building right now because they're worried about lumber prices, they're just worried about the cost of building these homes and demand is where it is, the fact that we're still at 80 and we're still in a very, very positive market, that is a good sign. So do not be confused or tricked by this, oh no, it's at a 10 month low, things must be horrible. On the home builder side, sure, it's fallen off from the all time high, but the number is still elevated. Now all three of the major indices posted two point declines, every single one, which I guess makes sense why the Overall uh, indicator was down two points. Uh, current sales declined to 86. Sales expectations 
uh, in the next six months fell to 79 and the traffic of prospective buyers dropped to 71. The chairman of the National Association of Home Builders, Chuck Folk, said in a statement, these higher costs have moved some new homes beyond, beyond the budget of prospective buyers, which has slowed the strong pace of home building. Policymakers need to focus on supply chain issues in order to allow the economic recovery to continue. And this is something that we have heard about. Uh, it's not only a demand issue, there's a supply side component, which is the supply chains not being being able to keep up with demand. Now, there still is more demand than supply, but the fact that demand is continuing to rise and supply is decreasing because of supply chains is without a doubt a huge component in all of this. And so you do have to wonder, could we see home builder confidence tick up next month with these lumber prices if they continue to fall? I mean, so we're looking right here in the middle of June, these price in, in the in the I think 14 of the last 16 trading days for lumber, it has fallen. And we know that home builders have said, hey, they're waiting on some projects because they're not gonna pay that amount for lumber and also we heard from sawmills who said no we're not increasing capacity uh to deal with this current situation because many assumed that they were looking at it as a sort of temporary phenomenon and they're not going to take money and invest in something that isn't going to be needed four or five months from now and so we could be seeing that happening right in front of us. Now, one thing that we've talked about here, I want to end on this because I think this is a positive note. I like to end on a positive note. And we talked about a couple weeks ago, there was this report, I think in the Wall Street Journal, on how some of the poorest neighborhoods were seeing the biggest benefit of this housing boom. You know, percentage-wise, they were just seeing tremendous gains take place. And I said, wow, isn't that what we've always wanted? You know, the argument always is, is that, oh, the rich are benefiting and the poor are not benefiting from this hot housing market. And here was ample evidence that the poor not only are benefiting, they're doing the best. Well, let's add to that scenario. This is something that lawmakers should be giddy about if they didn't probably own homes in some of these neighborhoods. Bloomberg is reporting that some of the most expensive neighborhoods in the United States are missing out on the housing boom. This is nuts. Homeowners across the country are reaping the benefits of a surge in prices that's being led by you know low supply and low interest rates. The average annual gain in equity, we talked about this from CoreLogic, was $33,000 per borrower in just the first quarter. That was the biggest gain we've seen in at least 10 years. But in 143 neighborhoods where the average home cost at least a million dollars in April, prices are down from a year earlier, according to data from Zillow. Another seven neighborhoods dropped out of the million dollar club, including the Greenwood area of Brooklyn, where the average price home dropped to 997000 Now, not exactly a crisis to go from the average price being a million to nine hundred ninety. $7,000 to $3,000 loss. But this is fascinating because here we have a housing market where the poorest neighborhoods are doing the best 
and the richest neighborhoods not only are doing the worst, they're not even seeing gain. I mean, they're doing the worst. They're doing so bad that it's not that their their gains are the smallest. They're not even seeing gains in some cases. Their neighborhoods are actually seeing a reduce a reduction in prices. So this should be just thrilling lawmakers and policymakers. They should go, they better not do anything to mess with this market. This is, this is the exact opposite of the rich get richer. This is the richer getting poorer and the poorer getting richer. This, this is like every policymaker's dream come true. That a market is actually making the rich poorer and the poor richer. So I, is it positive? Is it not? Uh, once again, it depends on your perspective. I'll call it positive here to end the program. But yeah, that's, I mean, it's like I said, it's a policy. If you're a policymaker, this is without a doubt a positive development. All right, we got to go. You guys enjoy your Wednesday. We'll be back here on Thursday morning. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.